0: Glenn Fittich, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey, is expertly crafted and made with extraordinary care. Each single malt is a work of perfection. And we're back to ripe show podcast on a Monday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Off to a great start here on a Monday, coming at you just a, a little bit later than I usually shoot this on a Monday. It's going to be me today. Uh, I got Rob Bolton joining me tomorrow. PGA tour handicapper extraordinaire. No one has the insight more than he does on how these guys play certain courses. He put out his power rankings every single week. He'll be joining me tomorrow to break down the top 30 heading into the final tournament of the year. The FedEx cup champion will be crowned. Patrick Cantlay making another run to go back to back. He's the winner yesterday. If you listened to beating the bookie and I last week on a Tuesday, well, you would have had that one too. Beating the bookie was all over it. You would have had Cantley the week before. I was all over Wills Al Toros. So we're on a bit of a run here on the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to give you our best bets of the tour championship. Of course, a lot going on in professional golf. We will get to the meeting that was up in Vermont. Tiger and Ricky flew in. All of the top players were there as some of the names start to leak out. Some of the things that were discussed. I'm going to give you my thoughts on, I think, where we're at. And I think really a day today as we come on air, um, I feel pretty good. So some, I think some optimism here uh, for some of the discussions that were had up there or allegedly uh, were had up there. And maybe some of the things that we're going to be seeing on the PGA tour, uh, not this year, 2023, the schedule's already out 46 events, (laughs) 46 events. I think there's more than that actually with some of the opposite field events, but 46 weeks, you're going to have professional golf on the PGA tour. That includes the four majors. And I think what was discussed up there Um, in response to Live Golf, and they get things rolling again—not this week, but next week up in Boston. Um, I—I think is good stuff. You know, I think there's um, I think we're moving in the right direction here. As really, what is happening is that the professional golfers, these players, are taking control of the tour. We hear it all the time. It's the PGA Tour. It's the players. They own the tour. And of course, Jay Monahan's the commissioner, and he has his team, and they. Um, they governed the tour, but it's the players, right? That's what we always hear, it's the players tour, it's the players tournament. And I think for the first time we're seeing the players step up, the top players get in a room and decide what is best for them and what is best for this tour. Very interesting times. And I think it's the right approach. We'll talk about that more here later on in the show. Also talk about uh, Sam Bennett winning the U.S. Amateur over Ben Carr. I posted Ben's swing. We're actually going to look at it here, both of their swings. I'm going to give you my thoughts on um, those golf swings. I had a lot of feedback on Ben Carr's grip and and how it works. Uh, but I want to start today's show um, with a few thoughts on Tom Weisskopf, who passed away yesterday of cancer. Tom Weiskopf, uh, really one of... Um, one of the greats, uh, a player that uh, I hope will get into the hall of fame. I I think uh, deserves to be in the hall of fame. I never met Tom Weisskopf, but I certainly heard a lot of stories. I certainly studied his swing 16 PGA tour event wins. He had one major championship, which was the open at Troon in 1973. He finished second four time in the masters. And when you start thinking about Tom Weisskopf and For those of you joining me on video, thank you for being here. You can see right now I've got Tom Weisskopf's swing uh, up on the screen. Thank you for being here. Audio as well. And, you know, this is a golf swing. When you look at it, I think it's just, it's one of my favorite swings, really. I probably put it in the top 10 of of my favorites uh, of all time. Tom had that, kind of had that uh, right forearm soft. You can, you can see how that right forearm Elbows kind of tucked down, the right forearm kind of more on the same angle of the shaft. That would get the club shaft a bit more upright in nature. I like that right forearm alignment there. We call that an impact fix. Uh, the one thing you'll see at impact is the right forearm will line up with the club shaft at impact. So the more severe that line is between the right forearm and the shaft, in other words, the lower you set your hands at address then the more that handle is going to raise at impact. And uh, for Tom, he didn't have much handle raise at all because he kind of set it there in a bit of an impact fix. Very clean setup. Uh, you, You could see him as he would take it here to the top of the swing. So watch this here, one second. As he would take it up to the top, you know, we hear about wrist angles a lot. And of course, this isn't real high definition, but that left wrist is flat. Uh, left wrist has flexion that right wrist is bent wise kept it very simple with his wrist angles left wrist flat right wrist bent and, and then from there he just really kind of turned it through I mean he was he was a uh it was it was a very simple swing you know here it is again up to the top left wrist flat right wrist bent and then those angles would just kind of sustain maybe put a little more flexion in the lead wrist and then he would just turn through and the club chef would exit under that lead shoulder I love the way he could get the club to turn the corner through impact. I think so much of what um, is more defined maybe in social media today with wrist angles, um, you know, Weisskopf certainly represented that. Here's another swing. Check this out. This is, this is a swing of a driver. And I think when you talk about Weisskopf, not only was it simple from the wrist angles, but I also think it was simple in just kind of his overall tempo and rhythm. I love the way he kind of moves into his right side and then back to his left side. You know, I think we went through an era there in instruction where we would see players kind of hang left. There would be less of this load up into the right side and the old classical swing. You could see that movement in the legs pronounced this flow as we, we hear that word to the right and then back to the left and just kind of suppleness in his arms and hands to the finish. Watch this real suppleness. There's no steer. He's just turning and letting it go. and a lot of that simplicity can come from his wrist angle. So just one of my favorite swings. Uh, he was a great course architect, and uh, he will be missed, certainly in professional golf. Rest in peace to Tom Weisskopf. Uh, this morning, I went to um, a media day for the uh, Constellation and. Inf- Let me make myself back in center stage. There I am. Went to Media Day, uh, Constellation Fieric and Friends uh, out at Timaquana Golf Course there. Beautiful place right on the St. John's River, uh, right next to the city. And this will be the second year uh, for the tournament. Of course, Ferick, Mr. Uh, 58. We were talking about Tom Weisskopf's wins. He had 16. Fieric had 17 PGA Tour wins. He's got three PGA Tour champions wins. Played very well uh, last week up in Indicat, top five. And likewise, Koff has the one major championship for Jim. It was the U S open back in 2003. And of course he was the FedEx cup champ, uh, in 2010. And, uh, this has been kind of a fun event really to, to, to see come together here in this community. Of course, Jim, uh, very much a part of the fabric here of Jacksonville TPC sawgrass. He's also a member out of Pablo Creek where I teach on Fridays. And Jim is really just a terrific guy. Him and his dad, Mike, um, I've got to know him a little bit. And just a quick story about uh, about Jim, you know, it's, he, he's just radar, right? He's never been like, you know, one of the real long hitters, um, but just a very precise player. You know, one of the best plotters, position A to position B to position C. And he'll come to the back of the range. And oftentimes I'll be teaching back there and working with a member. And I can remember one time we were back there teaching in, in, in Pablo Creek. The, the The practice facility is just over the top, so good. And you can actually turn and hit towards these, these greens in the corners, and you can hit like 40 yard shots, 60 yard shots, 80 yard shots. And Jim will come back there and practice and hit those shots a lot. And he's, of course, just an absolute terrific wedge player. And I can remember one time he comes back there and he and I I I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say Jim hit the flagstick every 10 minutes. <laughs> like, like he would hit the flag stick at 60 yards. 10, 15 minutes later, he'd hit the flag stick at 80 yards, 10, 15 minutes later, he'd hit the flag stick at 40 yards. And it's like, my goodness, this is intimidating. Uh, I, I mean, just absolute radar. And of course he did it with kind of this unorthodox swing. And when you think of Jim Ferrick's swing, that's the first thing you think about, right? Is this kind of high left arm and then it really loops back underneath and uh, the right elbows kicked out by, is behind him. And he's, he's flying open and, uh, rotating to the finish. So this is unorthodox swing. A lot of things are moving, you know, to the naked eye. And when I think of Jim swing, I think about no one probably has stood closer to the ball than Jim Ferrick. I mean, that guy stands so close to the ball. Um, the grip in is almost touching his pant leg. And if there's one guy that's never early extended in professional golf, it's Jim Ferrick, because if he early extends and moves towards the ball, he would never hit it. He'd miss it. (laughs) I mean, he wouldn't shank it. He'd miss it. That's how close he stands to the ball. So I think there's a little hidden secret in that, right? Oftentimes I'm, I'm moving people a little closer to the ball than I am backing them up. Um, especially if you have early extension, um, there's usually things that are leading, um, to cause early extension, but oftentimes you're getting people to stand a bit closer to it. Um, get some hip hinge and then from there work the shape of the swing Get the shaft, the pitch back behind them, and then get them to rotate and get some room there through impact, where they can push back and turn and hit it. So, uh, just some some classic swings to there uh, th- to kick things off with cough and Furik Fear- consolation Furik and friends uh, will happen here this early fall in the Jacksonville area. Tim Quanta looks fantastic, and it's fair to say the defending champion will not be there. In that being Phil Mickelson, as we move ahead here, U.S. amateur champion. Uh, Sam Bennett gets the win over Ben Carr. Let's bring Ben Carr swing in because I got so much feedback, my goodness, of this swing. There he is. And the first thing when you look at with Ben Carr is what? That grip. Look how strong that grip is. I mean, that grip, that's a motorcycle grip, folks. That left hand's cranked over, right hand is underneath. And man, I got a lot of feedback. Look at that grip. <laughs> so that club face is shut. Now I've said many times. It's not like crazy shut. I mean, it's closed, but I've said many times, um, on this podcast that look, you're better off having the face a little shut than you are a little bit open. And I think what's interesting, um, with him is he, with that grip, you know, he, he, he doesn't like really hood it. He kind of rotates it a little bit, with the lead forearm. And it's kind of hard to see from this view, but that left wrist at the top is pretty flat. It's pretty flat, but what he does really, really well is he covers the ball exceptionally well. Okay, so I want you to watch this move here in transition. Watch this here from the top, right there. Okay, so we're going to do that again. Let's reset that. Let me see if I can hit that a little bit quicker this time. Right there. So what's happening there on the downswing is that left shoulder is kind of moving down, okay? and then it's going to move more back and around. All right. That upper center right there, when you look at this on video, and for those listening, the upper center, okay, the the top button is over top, the belt buckle, the, the, the center of the belt buckle right there in transition. Those two centers are in line. What he didn't do is he didn't let the lower center slide out from the upper center. He didn't take on more right bend in transition. That left shoulder's down, that upper center's on top of the lower center. And then from there, he's now going to rotate. And when he rotates, yes, the left leg's going to straighten up, but that left hip is going to work more back behind him versus up. Okay, and that's really one of the key moves here. So let's do this again. So he kind of falls into it. That's what I, I refer to as kind of falling into it. Left shoulder kind of falling down, upper center, over lower center. And then he just rotates left and covers it. And basically covering it just means you're not taking on a tremendous amount of right bend in transition and through impact. And I think with that grip, with the nature of that face, that's a key move. And that just allows him to kind of lean the shaft forward. Stabilize the face and rotate back around to the left side. And I just think it's a fantastic pivot I, I, or body motion. I said, This is about as good as it gets. And even in the backswing, it's kind of set up right there. You can see the left knee coming across. You know how much I love that. Again, a little movement into the right side, loading a little bit left knee across, a little change of knee flex. And then from there, just kind of fall left. Don't take on excessive side bend in transition and then rotate back around to the left and cover it. And I think the other thing that he does probably on purpose is he keeps the ball position forward. I think it's important here that he keeps the ball forward and he doesn't have a lot of shaft lean at address. You can see him, if anything, his hands kind of start back a little bit and then there's a bit of a preset and then he goes. Okay. So really a, uh, just a kind of a fun swing to look at. And that grip kind of freaks people out. And it is a little bit, uh, I think, kind of cool in the way that he takes it back and kind of gets the left wrist still relatively flat. He doesn't cup it a a bunch. Um, But that downswing man is real. Haymaker coffee company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee, to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles and have the give it all mentality to achieve their American dream. Haymaker coffee, only roast top quality specialty-grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, we have your coffee right here. Really, really good. Now, here is the USAM champ. This guy is confident. Mr. Sam Bennett from Texas a and Congratulations. I have to pick up the speed of play just a little bit, but he hit a lot of great shots. And, you know, when you look at this swing, you know, he kind of gets it in deep and then he and then he gets back on top of it. Another guy that's really covering it exceptionally well. Neither one of these players are falling back with a bunch of side. Men. I mean, they are right on top of the ball, in particular with their irons. And that's, you know, one of the reasons. Look at that divot, just pure past the golf ball. Um, But when you look at the backswing here, you can see at the top, you know, his his left arm's pretty deep. It's almost a little bit like Matt Kuchar. You know, his left arm is that flat under his shoulder. Uh, Nice alignments there, though, with the shaft and the face. And then you're going to kind of see this little out move with the hands. And even with that little out move, the shaft still pitches back behind him. And just like. Uh, ben he's covering it. I mean, he is going to get right there on top of the golf ball. So watch this here as he comes down. Okay, so there he is and then and then kind of back out on top. It you know, it, it looks a little bit of this over the top move and I can see that right kind of in deep and then kind of get back on top. Um but the shaft's not pitching out. It's not it's not the shaft's not really getting excessively out and then across his body to the left. He's still getting the shaft to kind of pitch back behind him and then cover it. And I would think a player that keeps the ball position forward a little bit so he can go up and get it. I think that's what's interesting is how ball position plays into this. I think probably both of these guys are just going to kind of move ball position and then subtly their alignment um, to work the ball one way or the other. and. Um, and just keep it very, very simple with kind of the same overall swing. But I'll tell you what, make no mistake, both of these players, my goodness, uh, Sam Bennett and we bring in one more time, Ben Carr they are covering it. They are right on top of the golf ball. Well done, Sam. That was fun. That was, that was a lot of fun to watch, um, the U S uh, amateur and really, you know, frankly, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the USGA events this year and, and, and kudos to them. Um, I think the USGA finally now is moving in the right direction again. Mike Wan and his team are doing a great job. I, I feel like um, they are just right where they need to be doing all of the things they need to, to be doing. Um, the way the US Open went down for the men and the women, the US amateur for the men and the women. It's just, it's cool stuff. And I'm excited about the USGA events coming up. The other thing I'm excited about, and we'll finish with this here on on today's podcast. Thank you for being here. thought we would mix it up a little bit here on a Monday. Look at some swings, some unique swings. Tom Weisskopf talked about Jim Furek, talked about the U.S. amateur champ, Sam Bennett, and Ben Carr, who was runner-up, and we'll be seeing more of him for sure uh, down the road, uh, not only in um, amateur golf, but in professional golf. As well, now the second leg of the PGA Tour uh, was up in Delaware, and and Patrick Cantlay uh, gets another win, and uh, in just impressive fashion, Patrick Cantlay, uh, one of the top players in the professional game, and you talk about win equity. When he gets close, uh, he is not scared. He is not scared to go and uh, and win tournaments as he defends his title. Now, different golf course in Wilmington uh, Country Club. Uh, But he did win this event last year. And, of course, he went on to win the FedEx Cup. And that's certainly uh, what he's going to be trying to do again. He is second, though. Scotty Scheffler will start with the lead. Scheffler is uh, first. Then Cantlay, Zalatoris, Shafle, Burns, Cameron Smith, Rory McIlroy, Tony Finau, Sepp Straka. Then you get into Sung J.M. at 10, John Rahm, 11, Scott Stallings, who's playing some good golf, Justin Thomas, Cameron Young, Fitzpatrick, Homa, Matsuyama, Spieth, Neiman, Hovland. That's your top 20. And then we get into the 21. Morikawa, Horschel, Hoagie, Connors, Harmon, Cageley, JT Poston gets in. Sahith Fagala, congratulations. He's at 28. Adam Scott playing some nice golf, 29. And Aaron Wise makes it into the top 30 in the tour championship. Now, all of those, most of those big names there, as I understand, were in the meeting, the players only meeting. Um, up in Delaware, Tiger, of course, flew in, Ricky flew in, Shuffler, Cantlay, Zalatoris, Shoffley, Burns, McElroy, Finau, Rom, JT, Cameron Young, Fitzpatrick, Spieth, Hovland, Morikawa, Horschel. These are the names that were in the room. And the guy that wasn't in the room, Cameron Smith, he's gone. Um, he's going to live. Hasn't been announced officially by Cameron Smith, but through all my resources, Cameron Smith will be joining the live series uh, here very, very soon. I do think it would be kind of Bush league if Cameron Smith did play this week, knowing that he's going and the players know too. It'd be kind of Bush. If he played this week, played in the president's cup and then win. I don't know, that would kind of rub me the wrong way. You know, he's getting big time guaranteed money to go over there and congratulations to him. He's earned it. He can certainly play in it, but I just, I don't know. I think in, in, in out of respect, you got your money, go get it. Clearly the FedEx cup is, is not that important to you. Uh, the PGA tour is second to the amount of money that you're going to be making. And that's fine. But these other names, we, they, they were in the room. And uh really I, I think for the first time, and, and some of these meetings have been happening, I think, in kind of smaller silos uh here for a while since the first of July. It's it's hard to filter through all this and you know what I'm hearing through my resources and 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 what I'm reading, um, you know, through the fire pit collective who's done a nice job, Alan Shipnuck, and staying out in front of this and and others. Um but the meeting has happened, and and I think what's 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 occurring here is, is are the players, I think, are now finally taking control of the situation, and I don't think as they have these players only meetings that it's a, you know, that there's friction between the players and Jay Monahan and his team. Um, I think it's smart right now if I was Jay Monahan and that team to let the players come together and own this because the names that I just listed, you need every single one of those names. You need every one, every single one of those names. You have lost enough names now, especially with Cameron Smith going to join DJ, to join Brooks, um, to join Bryson, to join Patrick Reed. I and mean, those are significant names, whether you like them or not, you start adding a Cameron Smith and now supposedly there's going to be some other names, but I don't think there's going to be the names that I just listed that are in that meeting. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if a Scheffler, lay Willis, uh, Willis Altos, Shoffley, Burns, McElroy, Finau, Rom, JT, Cameron Young. I don't think Hideki, he wasn't in that meeting, but I don't think Hideki's going. Spieth, Hovlin, Morikado, those names that were in that meeting, I'm starting to feel confident that none of those are going to go. Now, Cameron Young's been linked. Shoffley, I think, has been interested can't lay. Maybe I'm wrong, but the players only meaning now they're starting to take controls. Here's what needs to happen for us to be successful on the PGA tour. And for me personally, to be happy as a player, Jay Monahan's not setting that, that direction. The players are going to set the direction. This is what we need to do. And sorry to those that were not in the meeting. Because right now we got to take care of the stars. We got to take care of the big names because we can't lose any more of these names. We can't afford to lose a Shoffley can't afford to lose. Perhaps a Cameron young. We're starting to get down to the nitty gritty. We've hit the, the breaking point here. And, I, and and, frankly, I'm surprised it's taken this long for the players to get together. I'm surprised it's taken this long. I mean, we're three tournaments in on the live tour You've seen what their appetite is to spend money. You know, there's probably no real feasible business model, although they say there is, but they're just spending money like crazy. And to me, it it just feels more like a disruptor at this point than it does maybe a real business model. I'm probably wrong, but that's what it just feels like to me. PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased moi faster ball speeds longer distances and tighter dispersions all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from pxg schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com so they're getting together and what's going to happen right i mean what what needs to happen when you start thinking what's going to come out of this well i think you know first and foremost the biggest obstacle for these players on the pga tour I think for them to be happy with and for them to wrap their mind around and be at peace with is this guaranteed money that Cameron Smith is going to get this guaranteed money that Brooks Kepka got Bryson got DJ got Phil got guaranteed money. I sign, get half of it up front, whatever. And then the other half comes out as we go now. You know, some of the things, some of the legality of some of these contracts is coming about and what they need to do and, and, and wear the team uniform and they're going to control a little bit more, I think, on the media that you're going to do. I mean, some of the things I don't think anybody's surprised about, but when you're getting that kind of money, they're going to control. You're an employee of that LIV investment group, but it's a lot of money. And, and a lot of it's guaranteed and that's attractive to a lot of people. So how do you get past that? Well, I think obviously number one, you got to up the purses. We're hearing now these purses are going to be elevated. I do think this was the plan to some degree. Jay Monahan talked about some of this a couple years ago and that this is the direction of the PGA tour. I don't think all of this is like just a knee jerk reaction. Now, perhaps it's been elevated to, to happen a little bit quicker uh, and perhaps it needed to happen a little bit quicker, but you got to elevate the purses. And I think the second thing is, is then the PGA tour needs to have this upper tier of where these top players come together. And that's what it sounds like. It's going to happen is now you're going to get the top players playing really in their own circuit, right? Their own circuit and maybe their own circuit. Maybe it's PGA tour. And I don't know what you call it to me. It's just the PGA tour. I, I just like to see it be called. This is the PGA tour. And it's 15 events, 16 events, seven, whatever, somewhere probably between 15 and 18 events. And to me, it feels probably between 60 and 72 players. You know, I like that 60 and 72 players. And they travel around and they play in these events. And these events are a lot of them, the names of them and the sponsors of them are the same as they, they have been, but it is the PGA tour. These are their events. Now, of course, below that, whether you call it the corn Ferry tour or you call it PGA tour, lower tier, I don't know, but there, there's going to be then those, now your full field events, 148 players, 152 players, and they play, you know, their schedule throughout this 46 week schedule starting at the Fortnite championship and perhaps these upper tiers can you know they can move around and they can you know have different cities and sponsors so it becomes a little easier to sell for the pga tour so it's not the same perhaps um you know 15 events every single year you know, Maybe it's these 15 the first year, and then it's a different 15 the next year, and then it goes back to those 15. I don't know. You have to figure that out. But point being, the PGA Tour needs to have the top players, elevated purses, just those players playing in those events and have their own point system. Now, does that get you past the fully guaranteed money? And does that appease the appetite of some of these players? I don't know. I mean, I think you have to be kind of probably, I think you have to be, what's the word? Um, you, You have to be strategic probably in the way that you creative. There's another word in the way that you start to move this money around. There is a minimum guarantee, a substantial minimum guarantee for the person that finishes last and then obviously the elevated purses for those that finish first, and then this season long race where they're playing for this, you know, large sum of money. And I think as you, as you add all that up, then you start to see, oh yeah, you extrapolate that over three, four, five years. You start to see as a player, if I'm Xander, if I'm Patrick, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Now it makes sense for me to say, because now I'm getting to those numbers and I'm, I'm fine with where I am because what the PGA tour has is they have the history. They have the legacy. They have all that built in with the Arnold Palmer Invitational, with the Memorial, uh, with the BMW Championship, which is one of the longest standing events on the PGA Tour, with the Honda. They have the golf courses. They have the history. They have the legacy. So they have all that in place. And they can use that, but now just elevate the top players with these top purses and get them to play together every single week and don't make it feel like JT's got to go pick up another event over here or another event over here, just to stay relevant in the season long race. And that's probably something that should have happened a while ago. But I think for the PGA tour as a member, you know, they're trying to appease all of their members. And I think where we are right now and the players that were in that meeting Those members are important, and they're going to benefit from this. The players underneath that, you know, who are 110th in the FedEx, the Adam Shanks of the world, the Patrick Rogers, Kevin Streelmans, Sam Ryder, James Hahn, Scott Piercy, Jason Days of the world, Look, you're probably going to benefit from this long term. You're probably not going to be able to play with a lot of these big name players as much as you once did, but you got to earn that right now. And you got to elevate your play and you got to get into that top, whatever we want to make it 60, 72 players, whatever. I don't think you want to go past 72. It feels now it starts to get watered down. It has to be significant. Name, value, earn your way and top players in the world, PGA tour. I'd call it the PGA tour. And then underneath that's the corn fairy tour, wrap it all together and off you go. And to me that becomes appointment television. It becomes, I have an appetite for it. I know what's coming. I know who's playing in every single event. I can wrap my mind around it and then let them have an off season and put this schedule to rest. Ah, You know, we can spend more time with our family on the lift, put it to rest, let them play 15, 16 events, plus the majors and have an off season and breathe. And let us as fans take a deep breath as well. Let us as fans take a deep breath and come back refreshed, ready for that group um, to play again. So I think those are some of the things that are probably going to be coming about. I'm excited about it. I really am Um, I I think there's too much golf in the PGA tour. I'm a nut. I like it. I have a lot of respect for those players. I do like watching them play, but I just think the PGA tour 46 weeks, you don't get the top players. It just gets, uh, gets watered down. We need something new and refreshing and putting the top players on center stage 15, 16, 16, 17 weeks a year, plus the four major championships, plus one team event. And then let's sit back, let's relax. Let's have a Corona. Let's kick our feet up and have an off season. And um, it feels like that's where we're going. And it feels like it's being initiated by the players. And I think that's important here. And I'll finish with this because the players, you know, at least in my mind, and again, I'm on the outskirts looking in, um, you know, look. I mean, the PGA Tour is taking taking some uh, taking some swings here um, with the live, and they're catching a lot of momentum. And I think this meeting, being ran by the players, and the players taking control of the PGA Tour, and all of those players in that room looking at each other to a man saying, "If this happens, and this is where we're going to go, this is what we're agreeing to." PGA Tour is going to be fine because there's enough people in that room to push it forward and get the PGA tour. I think <sighs> revised here a little bit up to date with what I think the current model needs to be. Should it happen years ago? Perhaps, right? Are they late to the table? Perhaps, but we're here now. Live is elevated and they need to get moving. It's not going to happen in 2023 and it certainly needs to happen in 2024 and then get that feeder system on a corn Fairy tour, which is going to be filled with a lot of, you know, used to be great players and up and coming players trying to get themselves back into the PGA tour. And there's going to be some storytelling through all that. It makes sense. There's more there, but I'm excited about it. And um, I just wish it would have happened earlier, these meetings and the, and and the players taking control of this, but here we are final event. Thank you for being here Tour championship. Join me tomorrow. Rob Bolton will be here. We'll go. We're going to go for three wins in a row here through the playoffs. Uh, make sure you subscribe, you like, you leave us a comment. Stripe show podcast. We are here. Last note. If you go to my website right now, all of the memberships training programs right now type in stripe show 20, all capital stripe show 20 receive 20% off. And if you ordered a Tim Tucker ball marker, the next shipment goes out on Thursday. So he has got them. They go out on Thursday. Thank you for that. We'll see you tomorrow. Rob Bolton.